0: Imagine you're trapped in a cold cell with a single bed and an echo which goes on forever. Imagine the cast iron doors that bang open and shut as a soundtrack to your day. Imagine life behind bars, lonely, isolated and cold. Imagine you're staring down at your swollen feet, expanding every day, and the life in your belly kicking with excitement, but the home you're about to bring the baby into is called prison. And all you have with your bundle of joy is two years before they leave the safe cradle of your arms forever. forever. I'm Romy Titus and this is Babies Behind Bars. Today I'm chatting to Murwesi, a young woman who bears the scars of life in prison with her baby boy. Morwesi is beautiful. She has a big bright smile, a lean figure and hair pulled back neatly in a bun. She's excited to see me and runs up to give me a hug. If you had to see her, you'd think she's straight out of a glamour magazine. The shy top exec shares what life was like in the corporate world. I worked for the bank.
1: I was a supervisor. Worked Monday to Saturday. I was a mom. I was this shy girl. I never used to party or, you know, have fun, have those moments with with my girls and all that. I lived a boring life, I guess. I had everything a girl my age could have dreamt of. My parents took me to school. I've got a national diploma
0: in journalism. I had the best position ever in the best company. Having had it all, Murwesi liked the finer things in life, and this was ultimately her downfall.
1: Not having friends or having a a jolly life, if I were to put it like that, I found comfort with uh, material things like fleshy cars, living in an exclusive suburb. I used to love shoes, handbags, you name it. The turning point was when two of my regular customers approached me to, to defraud the bank. At first, I said no. The love of money brought me closer and closer to those guys. They gave me tips, shopping vouchers. The list is endless. They would come into the branch and they would give me like vouchers, maybe a Woolworths voucher or So they were spoiling your shopping the side, voucher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a shopping voucher. And my first um Tip, the voucher they gave me, it was a Woolworths shopping voucher and worth of 6,000 rand. When they gave it to me, I thought it was 100 rand or 150 because he just said to me, buy yourself lunch. I was like, oh, okay, you know, innocently so. Little did I know that by taking that voucher, I would it would actually lead me to a situation where I get compromised. When these guys demanded me to transfer 2.7 million rand and 300,000 assigned, I refused. The fact that I took their money, I had to pay for it. They started following me. They knew everything about me. They knew what I ate during my lunchtime at work. They once described exactly what my mother was wearing.
0: What was your mother wearing that day?
1: My mother was wearing a colorful shirt with a red skirt. And I had to call my mom. And say, hopefully you are dressed warm. It looks like it's going to rain. What are you wearing? And my mom said, uh, describe exactly that, guys, where we're describing. So, yeah.
0: How did you feel at that moment, knowing that intimate details, like what you're eating, mm-hmm. where your child is playing, and what your mother is wearing, people know? They know your life inside out. Um, it Um, It was a scary thought, and... I
1: remember I was hospitalized, I think, four times or three times um, with depression. And I collapsed twice at work. They used to call me more often at work. Than at home, Mm -hmm. and they would give me instructions: go to a certain terminal, so and so didn't log off. Go there, said, check this account. If does it have money? How much does it have? What's the? You know, it, it was a stressful situation for me at that time.
0: At work, is nobody sort of picking up that you're not yourself? The fainting, the strange behavior, were they not thinking, something's up? People would ask me what's wrong,
1: but like I couldn't actually open up.
0: Isn't there within the bank that you work sort of an anonymous tipple or a red flag that you could have raised so that you didn't get into the trouble you did?
1: I was scared to tell anyone. The fact that they knew what I, I ate over my lunchtime. There were people inside the branch that I was working with, that they were working with those guys as well. So I, I couldn't trust anyone. My last threat was on the 24th of December 2009. They were outside my house looking at my child while he was playing. They gave me a call and said to me, if I don't transfer the funds immediately, they were going to kill my child. Losing my child was not an option. I went to the system, transferred 2.7 million
0: rand and 300,000 I But it didn't take long till she started having doubts. After an hour I felt
1: guilty, I went back to the system, I stopped the money by increasing it to 27 million rand in order for the account to get frozen. Biggest mistake of my life. These guys, they sold me out to the cops, got arrested. While detained at Mondial Police Station, one of the guys walked in dressed like a lawyer. He said to me, if I point any one of them, if I tell the court the truth, they were going to kill my child. Losing my child was not an option. I chose to lie. I chose not to point those guys out.
0: By so doing, got sentenced to 10 years. Ten years locked away from family and friends and all the shopping sprees would soon be a distant memory. The so-called boring life she led was about to become a nightmare, and the memories of court still linger. Each and every court appearance, they sat right behind my family. During the
1: questioning, the only thing that I said was, I don't know anything, because I was scared to even say a different line, because I was told to say that, that I don't know anything. I kept on saying, I don't know anything. Who told you to say that? Those guys who
0: are threatening me. But you know these guys, right? How many are they? You know them. You deal with them. You see them. They're the ones spoiling you with vouchers mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Is there no and time where you think, but I know who made me do this. So why are you not setting yourself free with the truth? Yeah, Rami, it's, it's the difficult one. When people tell you that this is what
1: your mother is wearing, we could kidnap your mother, we could kill your mother, we know where your mother works, we know where your child go go to school. And losing one of my family members at that time was not an option. All I wanted was for them to be safe. That's all I wanted. I wanted everyone to be safe. Because should anything happen to one of
0: them, I wouldn't have forgiven myself. Morwesi would leave her firstborn with her parents. She was 20 weeks pregnant when sentenced and hoped the system would be lenient on an expectant mother. She would be housed with other expecting inmates in a section for mothers and children.
1: I remember my first day, I I walked in and I didn't even know that there's a preggy section or a mother and baby section. And I told them that I'm pregnant and they took me to to a preggy cell how, how far along were you i was four, five months pregnant at that time that's when reality hit me that i'm in trouble pregnant people can get arrested and the reality of the situation that i was facing at that time i was scared and i was praying to god not to give birth in prison at least give birth outside then come save my time but when the other girls told me that they've they've been awaiting trial for six for 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 six months, or others they will tell you that no, I'm saving a fifteen year sentence and they are pregnant. The first question I was like, "Where are we gonna give birth?" Mm-hmm. And they told me that no, they take you to Bara um, Guanath Hospital and you come back with your child. And the next question was, "What do the babies eat?" And the I remember that girl was saying to me, "Wait until tomorrow morning, then you'll get to see everything then you'll get to understand the following morning, seeing a newborn baby yeah made me realize that um I'm in trouble.
0: What did you see the next morning? What did you see?
1: A newborn baby, and they took me as well to a section where there's like one year olds who are born in prison and the sound of the key my question was does the sound of the key affect the kids what is the sound of the key doing to the kids I was in denial at that time that um I will save time I kept on saying to myself no in seven days' time, you are going to court, you are going to be granted bail, you are going home. And you could see the pain in the mothers who had just given birth. You are just by yourself. No one helps you. You have to do prison chores. You've got stitches. You still have to scrub that floor. And seeing that situation, it it, it was painful. It, it's, you
0: know, I I just got scared. Take me through having a child in prison. Yes, there's a mom and baby section, like you said. But is it like we know on the outside where you have a baby shower and you have love and you have support and you have everything that you possibly need to have a happy and healthy baby?
1: There's no baby shower in prison. (laughs) I remember I got my labor pains, my labor pains around about half past three early hours of the morning. What we normally do if, if something goes wrong in, in the cells, we normally bang the steel doors for the officials to come. Mm-hmm. So we banged the steel doors up until, um, half past six to seven. That's when the officials came.
0: That's hours later.
1: Yeah. And I was in labor pain that time. What they normally do is they don't open immediately You give them your prison card They have to call the sister They have to go fetch the sister At home where they live Come back And that's when they open And the sister will check If you are really in labour pain Because people will fake it mm-hmm. And try to escape And I was in labour pains They took me to to Baragwanath Hospital under guard. I remember when the official wanted to go to the toilet, they would chain me to to you know to the bed, one leg to to the bed. It was humiliating, it was embarrassing, degrading because members of the community when they see that you are being chained, they think hardcore criminal, they think medara, they think horrible crimes. They don't think fraud or shoplifting like a you know a pity crime Mm. white collar crime you could see their faces the way they looked at me i was this horrible person or this nasty person
0: what was it like giving birth were you allowed to have someone with you to support you no um what were you treated like during the birth of your child you are
1: not allowed to have to have anyone remember again it's a um, government hospital uh, no one is it, it's even worse because you, you are a criminal mm. so you, you you, it's only you the, have the no rights yeah you've got only the official that that sitting next to you you're under guard basically a male or female doctor. official no it's females okay. yeah females and during you know giving birth the fact that you're under guard even the treatment that you get from the sisters from the the doctors it's 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 different you get those that they judge you and then you get those that they they want to know your story they sympathize with you but i remember the sister that stitched me after giving birth yeah that woman i i still hate baraguanath hospital i don't like that hospital (laughs) she kept she, she kept on saying whilst teaching me she kept on saying um, what have I done? Who did I kill? I was, and I'm a, I was young and horrible tendencies. Who did I kill? After giving birth, they took me to a, um, a, 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 a ward where there's, um, eight community, like ladies. They had everything and I had nothing. I remember when they said tea time, I was chained. <laughs> Not even a single one of them, you know, brought tea for me. They just went and they, you know, took their tea and they came back to their beds. They were drinking their tea. Even the sisters themselves, no one brought me tea. I couldn't even stand up because the official, I think... She, she went to the toilet or she went outside. And I missed my tea time. I was so thirsty. While they had their refreshments, you know, they had everything. Mm. I, I remember they used to hide their cell phones. And every time I would stand up going to the toilet, they would behave in, in, in a certain way.
0: Did you think when you held your baby in your arms and knowing that when your family came to visit, it was short-lived that that visit was going to be an hour and there wasn't any more of that. That's all you had to hold on to. And then you had to go back, back to that place that you call home. Yeah.
1: After giving birth, um, looking at my boy, I was hoping that, you know, it was a girl. So you've thought, got two
0: boys now. I've got two
1: boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that it was a girl, but when I saw that it was a boy, I was I was excited but the thought of going back to prison with him, it was painful. I remember saying to him, um, we are going to a place that is not home, but we'll be leaving there for a while. Because I was still awaiting trial at that time. I had hope that they would give me a fine, would probably go home together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that didn't happen.
0: Yeah. And going back, so leaving Baragwanath and going back to Johannesburg um, Correctional Centre, what what are your thoughts now? Because you're thinking it's going to be for a short period of time, it ends up being years later. Yeah. Um, but what is the adjustment when you get there? Are the other mothers supportive of each other? Do you help each other? You know, seeing that you're in the same situation, raising children behind bars when it's not the place four children? We, you know,
1: going back to prison, um, it, it was painful. Getting into the cell, everyone else get excited because when, when, when one gets labour pain, we worry that are they fine? Are they going to come back with the child? And when you come back with your child, we celebrate that finally, you know, your child is fine, the baby's healthy, but the the sad part is you, you want to rest. You want to have that moment where you sleep the whole day, and you can't have that in prison. I had a friend, um, Maria. Maria was from she was from Peru, I think. Yeah. She the following morning, um, we've got chores. We clean the spiral, you do, you wash the dishes and all that. So for, for the duration of a month, she, she did my chores. And I was fortunate, but you find those when you, they come back, they have to do the chores themselves. If you don't have that friend and there's no friends in prison, you're all by yourself.
0: Did you not make friends apart from Maria from Peru? Aren't the mothers supportive? I mean, you only have each other in this dire situation, so you might as well have each other's backs. The thing is, we, there's jealousy.
1: You know how women are. There's this jealousy that you get visit every week. You, you've got pampers. You've, your, your child has that. Then that's where the conflict and the jealousy starts. That's when there's, you know, that gap between us. But if, for instance, if your child is sick, when, you know, after they've locked up, you'll get that support. There are moments where we support each other, obviously. But there's that
0: gap again as well. What would you say your worst moment behind bars has been? (sighs) (laughs) A moment where you just thought, you're not going to make it out here alive. I fought once. I've never fought
1: before in my life that was my first time I had to defend myself I had to send the message across that you won't mess with me while I was fighting my baby was you know on my back and I don't know who removed my child but when you fight you just focus on that person that you're fighting with you forget about, you know, everybody else. But I remember when the officials came. I don't know who screamed for the officials to come. And they, you know, they came and they comes the situation down. When I came to my senses, that girl was, you know, she had blue eyes. I don't know what I did to her. And remember, if you fight in prison... If she she wants to open a case, she can do that. Already, I've got a case for fraud. I was gonna have another case for assault. I realized that I, I had something could have happened to my child while I was fighting, because at some point we had we were fighting with brooms, like broomsticks. So you can imagine, I was just beating her. She also had the baby at the back. Mother, mother, and mothers are fighting. What are we fighting over? Over mm. a stupid thing. And what were you fighting over? So someone stole someone's pampers. So they wanted me to come and intervene and try to resolve this the, 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 the problem. The girl that I was fighting with, the only thing that I said to her was that the only way to survive in prison, if you don't have visit, try to, you know, do washing you know, laundry for, for the other girls and then they pay you with um, pampers, pampers whatever you need. or baby's food or mm. something because there are people who don't get visit at all. That's how they survive in prison. You know, she, she just slapped me and I got furious. That's what we're fighting for.
0: Time approached fast for her son to leave her side and she needed to start preparing herself. It's a process where if, I think when the
1: child is one year, ten months, um, the social workers will call you and they would uh, prepare the child. They have to, it's a, they have to, you have to give them the address and they have to go see where the child is going, if it's like a stable home. Um, they remember the child must go to a home where there's somebody who can look after the child and Someone who's employed as well mm-hmm. Financially, financially they, yeah. they, are, they are stable And that's what I did They went
0: to my, to my To my To my mom's house And they checked everything And I mean what goes through your mind now Because How are you preparing yourself To let this little person That you've grown to love And know Go And that life no longer is In the mom and baby section for you Because Your baby's not there
1: The night before I remember um, I packed and unpacked his bag more than five times. I held him in my arms the whole night. I didn't sleep. I kept on whispering in his ears that you're going home, to a better place, you're going to have a better life, and I'll be coming home in six years' time yeah it was painful it it was difficult it it was not easy and every time I have to go through that night before yeah I get emotional all the time but yeah
0: so who comes to fetch him and how do you say goodbye and is he okay with going to whom you were giving him to
1: I remember it was on a Friday and my family came, and my boy was gone. I didn't say goodbye. When my boy turned his back from me, I
0: walked out. I, I never saw him leave. And so a new life begins for Morwesi, far away from the so-called comfort of the mother and baby section. That night... I didn't sleep. They took me to a
1: communal cell. Communal cell, it's 40 ladies, 40 beds, um, one toilet, two showers and one sink. And you'll find another girl in that corner crying. She misses home. The other, on the other corner, they are fighting. Others are smoking. Others, they
0: are laughing and it, That's when reality hit me. And as Morwese got used to her life in a new section, her son was going through adjustments of his own on the outside.
1: But I remember calling home the following day and asked, apparently when the, you know, the butler door is closed, he he won't open it, he would just stand, you know, in front of it Mm -hmm. and look at other, you know, kids playing outside. And my mom kept on saying, no, open it, open it. And he kept on like, you know refusing to open open it because it's it's master time you know it's those small things that we you know we take them for granted mm. that maybe your child will never pick it up but as as soon as it's 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 master time they close the butler and we are not allowed to go outside so if they close the butler he doesn't know that he, he needs to open pull it yes. and open it so simple things like that he was not used to a car
0: so they drove off yeah oh, apparently he was crying and screaming and yeah the day arrived when she was finally free and the overwhelming joy she was expecting to feel was met with anxiety and panic the morning of of my
1: release i was scared to put on my private clothes the clothes that you know my mom bought me I was scared to put on those clothes. I held on to my prison clothes. I held on to my prison cell. Um, I was scared to come out. A part of me wanted to reverse few, just a few days just to recall myself or adjust. I don't know, adjust to what, mm-hmm. but just adjust. <laughs> and... You know, they kept on say, calling me. The officials kept on calling me. Are you ready? And she would come and I'm not dressed. She came three times. The fourth time, she said to me, dress up, you're going home. Come. I know that you're scared. I was scared to come out. I was so scared. What are you scared of, though? The unknown. The- I was scared, Romy. Like, what worried me the most, will I adjust? Will I be able to adjust to the to the outside world? Will I be able to bounce back? And you know the funny part coming out, I was scared to even touch a microwave. To hold that remote You get scared over like small Stupid things Mm -hmm. You are scared of that just to switch on the TV Because the TV looks so big (laughs) And and you're like You are not used to Anything that's cold that comes from The fridge till today I can't even drink something With ice or something That it's so cold So yeah I can't even um, Eat with a metallic um, spoon I have to adjust to,
0: to, 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 to such. Mm-hmm. So it, it was difficult. Tell me about that bed that you bought yourself, which I'm <laughs> sure is a far cry from the bed in prison, but you're not appreciating that bed at the moment. Yo, the story, Rumi,
1: when I came out, I got a few gigs and going back home, there's no bed. I have to buy myself a bed. Got few gigs, motivational speaking gigs, got paid. I bought myself a bed. Yo that bed ne? it's it's so huge like when you have to like sleep like I have to jump on it. Yeah, like, it's so it, high. It, it's so high. I slept on that bed for a few months, but I miss that I don't know how to put it. I miss that prison bed. Remember the prison bed it's so small. You can't toss and turn. So I'm used to that small, um, small, tiny bed. It's not even a single bed. I don't know what half bed or whatever. I'm using my mom's couch. When I sleep on that couch, it feels like prison. You know, it feels like prison bed. It's, it's comfortable rather than the bed
0: that, that, I,
1: that I bought. I'm telling you till today, I'm still sleeping on that couch. It's difficult. No one sleeps in that bed. I sleep in the couch till today. This morning, I woke up from
0: the couch. That felt like yeah. a home, if I could put it like that. Comfort, <laughs> a place that you know, a place where you've spent a whole six years. Yeah, Something that I guess is familiar to you. Mm. To anybody wanting to do crime, considering crime, uh, to wh- women who are lured into things like fancy handbags and six thousand rand shopping sprees, who whose lives are about to take that turn like yours did, what would you whisper in their ears so that they rethink their decisions? Prison
1: is a reality.
0: Um, when you commit
1: that crime, note that you must be willing. To save the time. It, it goes hand in hand. You, you do crime, you save time. You can't do crime and not save time. Because you can do crime for a very long time, but at the end of the day, you're gonna get caught and serve the time. Crime does not pay. Um, easy come, easy go. Young girls, they must, um, should actually work hard for each and everything that they are going to have. And I was saying many a times we don't appreciate those small things that we have. Once it's taken away from you, then you'll, you will realize the importance of that thing that you had. You can't
0: have them easy. You have to work hard in order for you to have them. And what was it like when you came out and you were reunited with your child?
1: Yeah, it was It was painful. It was difficult. At some point, I was a foreigner to them. Yes, they'll call me mom, but we could not relate in anything Mm. because I don't even know what they love. I don't even know what their favorite color is. And every time I would give them something that they don't like, and my dad would tell me, no, this is what they love. Mm. It it used to be painful. Or rather, they would be like, no, um, we're waiting for... For our aunt, my sister, everything they wanted, they would refer to my sister. No, she's coming. We'll have it. Or if I say no to something, it's like, no, but you know, our aunt used to do it for mm. us. Mm. Why do you want to change things? We have been living, you know, this, this way all along. Now you come. Now you want to change our lives. It's not going to work like that. It was painful at first, but I had to adjust because I realized that My family has done a beautiful, you know, a job job. because if they were to, you know, to rely on my mom or my my sister, they know that they would have whatever that they wanted. So I had to make peace with it. It was difficult, though, and painful.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you're the mother at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Does he know his story? Does he know where he was born and where he spent two of his formative years of his life? Are you open and honest with him about that? Yes, I am. He knows we talk
1: about it every day. Um, the thing is i i don 't want him to hear it from other people. I want him to hear it from me, and he must understand that there were it was just a situation for that time, and he was not born in prison prison, yes. but he was born like like any other child in hospital. But we had to go back you know and go live to prison. in prison yeah right. for that duration of time. But he's, he's, he's a very um, bright child. So he would just ask me, um, so many a times um, we get to talk about the, the prison story, Oh yeah, the, you know, the giving birth in prison. We, can, we relate back to it when sometimes I
0: reprimand them of, of lying, of not doing the, the things the right way. Did the lies save you? I mean, did you serve time in prison for a crime that you did, yet you weren't the only one Mm -hmm. doing what you were doing?
1: I would say going to to prison was a blessing in disguise for me. Many times we have, you know, God will bless us with, you know, a house, a car, a job, and we don't appreciate those things. Prison taught me to appreciate each and every little thing that you have. So he taught
0: me that. If you could, would you rewind those hands of time? Definitely. What would you do differently?
1: Um, I would say no to my first um, tip they gave me. Had I said no to that tip, things could have been different.
0: Was it worth it? Was it worth the time you spent away from your family to ensure that they're alive and being sentenced and being called a criminal and coming out and having a criminal record, was it worth it?
1: Everybody's still alive. Everybody's around me. I'm happy and I'm glad that I took that, that decision. I guess it was worth it.
0: Murwesi is just one of many women in South Africa who has served time behind bars with their babies. She now uses her experience in motivational talks, hoping that she'd sway young women from doing crime. Due to her criminal record, she's not been able to find employment. She lives with her parents, brother and children in Soweto. I'm Romy Titus and this is Babies Behind Bars.